Hello, everyone. I am Maria Palombini with the IEEE Standards Association, and we're delighted to bring you today an interesting discussion on the use of smart contracts in the supply chain. I have with me today Ken Cottrell, who is the co-founder and principal researcher at Chain Business Insights. Ken will be a speaker at next week's Pharma Supply Blockchain Forum on the 6th of June in Rockville, Maryland. Today, he's going to give us a little preview on what we can expect next week. So, Ken, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this kind of thing? What inspired you to co-found Chain Business Insights? Thanks, Maria. A pleasure to be here. Um, well, I've been involved in the supply chain uh, field for, oh, almost 30 years now, I guess. I started off as a practitioner in the ocean shipping business. Um, and then I moved into marketing and communications and research. Um, and I guess I was inspired to uh, found or co-found uh, Chain Business Insights because I could see that uh, blockchain technology was really starting to gain momentum. Um, I still think it's at a very early stage, but um, um, I think it will uh, grow tremendously over the next five years. And uh, it, it, I, I recognize that one of the prime applications, I think, of the technology is going to be supply, supply chain management, and that's why um, I, I, I sort of co-founded this organization. Mm. Very, very keen insight. There seems to be already quite a bit going on in the supply chain side and blockchain. Indeed, yes. Okay, so let's get to the crux of it. We hear a lot about smart contracts. Can you tell us some of the applications and what benefits they bring to supply chain operations? Well, um, I guess a key capability of smart contracts is that they verify the identity of trading partners. This is, you know, one of the big benefits of, of being uh, on, on the blockchain. Um, so, uh, you know, applications involving multiple parties and, and, and cumbersome documentation are, are really ideal. Um, you know, for example, verifying that the terms of, of a shipping contract have, have met, have been met, and you know, uh, then trigger relevant payments to relevant parties. Um, that's something that I think will will become very big in the future. Um, also, situations where there are a lot of operational milestones that have to be checked. Um, this is something that happens a lot in global supply chains, where you have uh, delivery dates and various other conditions that have to be met. Um, and smart contracts are self-executing, so, so they can really speed up product flows by automating these milestone checks and, you know, disseminating the information to all the relevant people. So when we think of contracts in general, our first thought, think we think of lawyers, and then we think of the client and the vendors side, the two parties who are engaging in the contract. But with, with the smart contracts, what are, are the additional players required to make it happen? <clears throat> Um, well, obviously, you need coding expertise. So uh, if we're thinking about a company, for example, uh, IT is probably going to be evolved at some point um, for that reason. Um, supply chain needs to be at the table. Um, for example, if it's a, um, a contract or an agreement with suppliers, then you know, you're probably going to need input from procurement. Uh, finance should be there too. Um, and also compliance, because there's bound to be some sort of a regulatory issues that need to be considered. Um, but, you know, another option may be that companies want to consider um, using, you know, blockchain service providers. There seem to be more and more on the market these days, and there are providers who will either um, build um, a contract for you or have software that you can adapt fairly easily to what you're trying to do. So I think the big joke is, or people think, or maybe they wish, that in the area of smart contracts, 
you kind of don't need the lawyers anymore. Fact or fiction? <laughs> well, I can appreciate uh, that some people might get really excited about the prospect of not having to pay legal fees. Um, uh, to be honest, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, first of all, you know, it's going to take years before smart contracts become really widely adopted. Um, and also, we still need legal expertise to codify the terms of a contract. Um, so um, I think as more contra smart contracts become adopted, adopted I should say, um, there probably will be less need for legal counsel, and that, that could represent certainly a cost saving for, for companies. But um, we will need some sort of legal support in the foreseeable future, I feel. Okay, so for everyone who was hoping the lawyers were going to go away, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously your company does a lot of research in this field. Do you have any interesting case studies that have shown the application of smart contracts to alleviate or address an issue of fraud or abuse of, of cost in supply chain transactions? Well, you know, it is early days in the, in, in the development of these things, and um, there, there are very few live projects, but there are quite a few, few uh, proof-of-concept projects that are very interesting. So they will certainly point the way to how these contracts are going are to develop. Um, I, the one that I find particularly interesting happened um, in October, um, last October. It involved a shipment of uh, cotton from uh, the United States to China, and um, it involved uh, two banks, uh, Wells Fargo and uh, Commonwealth Bank of Australia in Australia, um, and a shipper, um, a producer of cotton based in Australia. And um, what they did is they actually mirrored uh, a conventional letter of credit. So the actual um, transaction itself was carried out on, on, on you know, traditional documentation, but they, in parallel, mirrored the letter of credit and, and, and actually captured its terms in a smart contract that was housed on a blockchain. Um, and in addition to that, the, um, the shipment itself had a, a GPS sensor, so it tracked the location of, of the shipment um, and then alerted the parties when the shipment actually arrived um, in China. And that, that alert then triggered a payment from the smart contract. Um, so it's a really neat example in the sense that it combines um, – it combines blockchain, uh, smart contract, and sensor technology um, in, in, in the same transaction. So, um, and I did speak to the people involved in the um, in, in this transaction, and they confirmed that it really did demonstrate that um, uh, this automation can protect the, the parties from fraud. Uh, it can speed up um, the the uh, flow of product. Um, and it can reduce costs because you have, you know, fewer administrative costs because of the fact that it is automated. So that is one uh, proof of concept that I think, you know, re really points the way to the future. We're hearing really great things about what smart contracts can do, you know, how they've been – they've already shown proof, some proof of work on how they can deliver in some areas. But what are some of the potential issues yet to be resolved as it relates to, you know, employing a smart contract into the operations? Yeah, there are a number of issues that really need to be resolved. You're right. Um, I guess one of the major ones is, is the credibility of smart contracts in a court of law. I mean, you know, these are still relatively new entities, so um, the legal situation is still a little bit unclear. Um, there is a lot of work going on to, to rectify that, both at the national and the international levels. Um, and I, I honestly think that over the next few years, um, these contracts will be 
uh, will become legally watertight. Um, and some lawyers are already saying that um, for very well-established uh, contracts, um, uh, that, that, that really the legal problems are fairly minimal. Uh, but, but certainly companies should be aware of that. Um, the regulators also need to catch up. Um, this is particularly relevant when you're involved in international business, and of course that's very common in a global supply chain. So, you know, for example, when a shipment crosses different um, jurisdictions, national jurisdictions, it can be very tricky because different countries have different regulatory requirements. Uh, but again, we're working towards unifying that. Um, and I guess another another issue that's probably worth mentioning is is just a lack of expertise. I mean, we need people to be able to codify the terms of contracts. Um, and I think as as these contracts become more popular, then we'll need more people with the ability to do that. Um, at the moment, uh, and, and you know, for example, some banks have programmers who can who can codify uh, legalese. Uh, but I can certainly see, a, you know, in the future, lawyers who also have programming expertise becoming a lot more important. Great. Well, Ken, um, thank you very much. We don't want to give away too much because you're presenting next week at the Pharma Supply Blockchain Forum on this very topic, and I think you're going to have a really exciting presentation with just this already uh, initial preview that you shared with us today. Um, and for our audience, I'd just like to let you know that the the ebook that Ken mentioned, Blockchain Meets Supply Chain, is available on our event website. And if you're interested in registering, we still have some seats open for next week's event. And all of that information is available on blockchain.ieee.org. Thank you.